This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And the first truth that must be known in order to have eternal life is this truth of who is the man and who is Jesus Christ? And to know Jesus Christ is to have eternal life. As he said in John 17, 3, John 17, 3, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So he's leading the man in teaching to come to know that Jesus Christ is God. This is what's going to happen. And so he's told the old man, first of all, there is none good but one, that's God. So that put the man in the position of either saying, Jesus Christ is only a man and not God. If that's the case, then, then he could not call Jesus Christ God or to say that Jesus Christ is God and therefore good because only God is good. That's what's going on here. So either Christ, either Christ is just a man and not God, in which case he can't be called God, or Jesus Christ is God and therefore he can be called good. So the Lord's asking this man to decide. He's asking this man to think it through. Which one is it? He can only be good if he's God. And furthermore, when the man asked the Lord for what good thing that he needed to do to get eternal life, the young man was thinking in himself, well, I'm good. I'm good enough to do some good work to have eternal life. That man needed to be led to show him, to show himself, to come to the understanding he's not good. He's a dirty, rotten sinner. And the problem is that with this young man said in verse 16, when he said those words, behold, one came and said unto him, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? When he said, what good thing shall I do? The man is assuming that he can do some good thing. And that's a problem because God said about every person in Romans 3.23, Romans 3.23, all have sinned, all have sinned. You know, the, the last people I sat next to on this flight from Phoenix to San Diego, I was sitting next to this couple who were from Oregon and they were on their way to San Diego to get on some cruise ship. The whole trip, I was trying to talk to them about Jesus Christ, and there was no traction. I could not get traction because all they wanted to talk about was the great things that they had done in making 
human proteins and plants to treat genetic disorders in kids. They're both scientists. And that's what they want to talk about. And I'm trying to talk to them about Jesus Christ. And all I could think of is sometimes you're out on a, on a boat and boats are very close to each other and you can see the other person in the other boat. You see another boat out there. You can see them there. You say, let's talk to each other. So you grab the marine radios. You start talking to each other. So I could see he was on another boat. I was on a boat. We could see each other. But the only trouble is, is that I was on one channel on the marine radio and he was on the other channel on the marine, marine radio. And we, we weren't communicating. And I was trying to talk to him about how Jesus Christ saves from sin and judgment. And he started to talk to me about how inserting genes into viruses, uh, tobacco viruses, was going to save these children. And they kept referring to what I was talking about as religion, and I kept referring to it as reality. It was a very frustrating conversation. But the problem was the same as this young man had when he said in verse 16, what good things shall I do? They were telling me about the good things that they had done and the good things are done by good people. That's the point. Good things are done by good people. And God says in Romans 3.23, all of sin. God says in, in Psalm 53.3, Psalm 53.3, every one of them has gone back. They're altogether become filthy. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. So when Jesus said in Matthew 19.17, in verse 17 here, verse 17, there's none good. He meant that there's no man that's good, and that means in Psalm uh, 53.3, Psalm 53.3, there's none that doeth good. There's none good, so there's none that doeth good. That's because every man, woman, and child is a sinner, a dirty, rotten sinner type, and Job put it this way, Job 15.16, Job 15.16, how much more abominable and filthy is man which drinketh iniquity like water? Sin makes all of us corrupt. We're corrupt to the core. And Jesus said about corruption in Matthew 7, 18, Matthew 7, 18, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. So the fundamental problem that this man has when he says to Christ that he, what good thing shall I do, is he sees himself as good and able to do a good thing, and that's what he needed to be taught. He needed to be straightened about this. The man started off with Christ with a good start. He calls him a good teacher. That's good. It went downhill from there, but that was good. He was saying, Christ, teach me. You're a good teacher. And so Christ, the good teacher, took what, what the man had said in verse 16, what good things shall I do? And so starts a lesson, three lessons, three instructions. The good teacher, Christ, is now going to give three instructions. Instruction number one was, well, you asked me what good thing you can do. That assumes that you can do a good thing, which assumes that you are good. That's wrong. That's wrong. So the first teaching is, in verse 17, verse 17, there's none good. There's none good. You are sinful, in essence, he's saying. The dirty, rotten variety of sinful. That's your need. That's your need. If you don't have a need to be forgiven and cleansed from your personal sin, then that means you have no need for Christ because that's what he does. He forgives and cleanses from sin. So no need for that, no need for Christ. So Christ's first instruction focused on who this man was, who he thought he was. His first instruction taught the man that you are a dirty, rotten sinner. And that's the first start for any person who has any hope to come to Christ and to be saved. He's got to see himself as a sinner, as a dirty, rotten sinner. And dirty, rotten sinners cannot do good things. That's why I couldn't get any traction last night. That's trying to talk to this couple on their way to this cruise. 
last night. They didn't see themselves as dirty, rotten sinners. They saw themselves as wonderful people doing good things, saving children from their genetic diseases. But for a person to only see himself as a dirty, rotten sinner, that sets them up for a need for Christ. But if that's all they see themselves as, that's they see nothing else, it's very depressing. There's no good news in that. There's no gospel in seeing yourself as a dirty, rotten sinner. There's no good news. So that means that instruction number two is needed. And instruction number two is, whereas instruction number one focused on the person, on this man as a dirty, rotten sinner, instruction number two focuses on Christ himself, which is why, why Christ spoke to that man about himself. When he said in verse 17, why callest thou me good? Me good. This is eloquence in teaching. This is so beautifully eloquent for Christ to take a question in verse 16 from the man, what good thing shall I do? And from that question, move this man from seeing himself and who he is and what he can do for himself, which is nothing, to seeing Christ and who he is and what Christ can do for him. This is beautiful. And this is how Christ takes his head and turns it from himself to see Christ. And Christ does this turning of this man's eyes from himself to Christ with one question. Why callest thou me good? And now comes this, this is an eloquent move by Christ because without the man even knowing it, he doesn't even know what's happened. He has gracefully, in essence, taken this man's head and turned his eyes upon Jesus. And he does it all with this statement in verse 17, such few words. There's none good but God. That's God. There's none good, he told the man. There's none good enough to help you. There's none good enough to help you. You are not good enough to help yourself. Your best friends are not good enough to help you. Your parents are not good enough to help you. Your wife is not good enough to help you, he's saying in essence. Jesus is saying in verse 17, there's none good. This is what Jehovah Jesus said in Jeremiah 17.5, Jeremiah 17.5. Thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. He shall be like, be like a heath in the desert and shall not see good when it cometh and shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabited. But then the Lord didn't leave this man in this state of despair by just saying, well, there's none good, so forget about it. Verse 17, he didn't do that. He moved on to say, there's none good but one, that's God. This is Jesus saying in verse 17, there's none good but one, that's God. He can help you. Just like Jehovah Jesus went on in Jeremiah 17, Jeremiah 17, when he says, thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusted a man who maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord, for he shall be like a heath in the desert and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit parched places in the wilderness and the salt land and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. And he shall be like a tree planted by the waters and spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when his heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Then the passage goes on and says, don't trust yourself to understand this because the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. This is how the good teacher Jesus eloquently taught this man to think and deduce, yeah, I know that Jesus is good, but there's none good but God. That's God. Jesus must be God. That's what he was leading him to. And that's instruction number two. Jesus is God. Everyone needs these two instructions in life. There's no eternal life without learning these two truths. First truth, there's none good, which includes me. Second truth, 
But this first instruction, I should say, is that I'm not good. I'm a sinner. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. Sinners need to be forgiven. Sinners need to be cleansed by God. Dirty, rotten sinners especially need to be forgiven and cleansed by God. That's instruction number one. It brings a person to realize he needs God to be forgiven and cleansed from his sins. Instruction number two is Jesus is God. Instruction number two is that Jesus can forgive and cleanse from sin. Instruction number one, there's none good, which means I'm not good. I'm sinful. I need to be forgiven, cleansed from my sins. Instruction number one is I need God. Instruction number two is there's none good but one, that's God, which means Jesus is God. I need Jesus. I need Jesus to cleanse me from my sins, forgive me. Those are the two truths that the good teacher is teaching here in verse 17. There's none good but one, that's God. First, I need to be forgiven and cleansed. Second, Jesus is God, and he alone can cleanse and forgive me. But then he goes on, there's more. And the next instruction, the good teacher is going to teach this man and everyone that there's a third instruction, which is, in verse 17, if thou will enter into life, keep the commandments. So this instruction is now to move on, move this man on to obey Christ, to obey. To obey him how? As a good teacher? No, to obey him as God. This is God speaking now. And he's commanding this man to obey the commandments. So when Christ says to this man in verse 17, if thou will enter into life, keep the commandments, Christ is now speaking as God, the author of these commandments, the one who has the supremest authority. And he's telling him there's no eternal life without obeying Christ as God. That's what he's saying. Instruction number three, it's not enough just to see yourself as a sinner. It's not enough just to see Jesus as God. There has to be this obedience, obey him. Christ has to be obeyed as God. And the man now asks Christ the question. He talks about commandments. It's plural. He says, oh, keep the commandments. Okay, he's thinking, talking about the Ten Commandments. Everybody understands that. He understands that. Ten Commandments. He's probably got to visualize in his mind. Keep the commandments. And he said, he's thinking, so there's ten. Which ones? And so he says, which, in verse 18, he saith unto him, which. He's looking for specifics. He wants specifically, which of those commandments do I need to keep in order to have eternal life? Which one is it? Which one is it? Now, at this point, we can imagine the man, we can imagine him, in essence, he's got a pencil in there, paper, he's listening very carefully as if he has a pencil and paper. He's ready to write down. Which ones, which of those commandments he needs to obey to have this eternal life? He's so, he's really pretty excited right now. He's pretty happy. You know, he's thinking, oh, now at long last, we're getting somewhere. He says, I'm about to get what my heart is searching for, has been yearning for, has got to have. I got to have this eternal life. I needed it so very, very badly. I've got everything else in life, but it all doesn't count because I don't have that eternal life. I've really got nothing, and I'm about to find out how to get it all in this eternal life. I'm so excited, and I'm going to learn which one of the commandments are the key ones, the essential ones, which are the trigger that's going to make me have eternal life. So the Lord senses and sees all this anticipation and all this excitement in this man and feels like I'm going to finally be led to get my eternal life. So he starts off. He says, okay, you want a list? I'll give you a list. And so he says in verse 18, he says, verse 18, he saith that to him, which, Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, number one. Thou shalt not commit adultery, number two. Thou shalt not steal, number three. Thou shalt not bear false witness, number four. 
Honor thy father and thy mother. Number five, love thy neighbor as thyself, which really encompasses. So what he's done, you look at the 10 commandments here, is that Christ first addresses murder. Do not murder. That's commandment number six. Then he says, do adultery. Do not commit adultery. That's commandment number seven. And then he says, steal. Don't steal. That's commandment number eight. And then he says, don't lie. Don't be a false witness. That's commandment number nine. And then he says, honor your father and your mother. That's commandment number five. Love your neighbor is really a repeat of these commandments. So we've got, he's writing them down. He's checking them off. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. Still missing some. Still missing some. And we can see the man in his mind checking them off. He says, well, that's not 10. Man is, 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 okay, if those are the key ones, great. He says, he looks them all over and he says, I got it nailed. I got it. So the man says in verse 20, and he thinks at this point, he's going to be awarded with the eternal life. And he says, the man, the young man saith unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. He says, I knocked them down, dead, each one of them. I got a score of 100. If I was bowling, it'd be a strike. He says, you know, this is great. And then he says, that's it? Can you give me my eternal life now? Can you give it to me? I got it. He says, oh, is there anything I'm missing? What lack I yet? What lack I yet? I got them all covered. What am I missing? You said five, six, seven, eight, nine. I got five, six, seven, eight, nine covered. By the way, anything else I'm missing here? You know, you didn't mention anything about one, two, three, four, or, or ten. Well, he is missing, as a matter of fact, one and two and ten, which are one is no other gods before God, no other gods before God. Two is no idols, and ten is no coveting. So instead of the Lord now saying, "Well, okay." you know, number one, number two, number three, instead of going through that. Jesus decides now to, the good teacher, just lump them all together. All these three, you know, the no other gods and the no idols and the no coveting. And he does this so eloquently in just one requirement, which really gets to it, which is verse 21. Verse 21, when Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. So, because if that man had made money, his money, a God, then he would not be obeying the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. If that man had made money his idol, then he would not be obeying number two, to not have any idols. If that man had coveted money, then he would not be obeying number 10, thou shalt not covet. So Christ now probes to see if this man was obeying. He just didn't say, well, okay, you know, have no other gods or, and, and no idols and don't covet. Because maybe the man, just don't forget Jeremiah, well, like we just talked about, Jeremiah 17, 11 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. So the man might look at himself and say, I'm good on those too. So in order to avoid this deception, self-deception, self-delusion of the man, the Lord just lumps all these three eloquently into this one command that God is, this isn't just Jesus, this is God telling this man, commanding this man, I command you, the one who gave him all of his riches, take everything you have, sell it, give it to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven. I promise you, you'll have treasures in heaven. This is what he's saying. This is a probe. He's probing him and to find out, 
Are you really obeying those three commandments? To not have any gods before me, to not have idols, to not be coveting? Jesus said in verse 21, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, give to the poor, and uh, you'll have treasure in heaven, come follow me. So when Jesus did that, Jesus was like a dentist, a dentist drilling on a tooth, you know, you know. And when Jesus was drilling down there, the man's response was in verse 22, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. That was the patient in the dentist chair saying, ouch. (laughs) He said, ouch, Jesus, the dentist says, well, 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 what do we have here? Looks like we hit a cavity. The worship of money looks like we just hit that decay. And Jesus said in verse 23, verse 23, then said Jesus unto his disciples, verily I say unto you, a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And verse 24, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So what the Lord did, what he had uncovered, hidden below the enamel of the teeth, the teeth looked great, but there was big decay down there. With this one command to go and give to the poor, he uncovered that, oh, there was something standing in between this man and God, and it's his money. And this man was in danger of Acts 8.20, Acts 20, 8.20, thy money perish with thee. That man needed to be released. He needed to have the drilling go on so that he could really say the words of the hymn, nothing between my soul and the Savior. Not of this world's delusive dreams. Jesus is mine, there's nothing between. That's what he needed. And so when the disciples saw this, they heard this, when they heard it, what was going on in verse 25, Verse 25, when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then could be saved? And then Jesus responds in verse 26. Verse 26, he responds with, Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. So Jesus, when he said that, that was Jesus, the dentist, speaking, saying, I'm a good dentist. I can fix this cavity. I can drill it out. I can replace it. I can put a filling in there. For me to drill it out, the man has to become a giver of his money and no longer a grabber of his money. And I can help him do this. I'm a dentist. And what we've seen in this passage is the beauty of how Jesus is the good teacher from verse 16. He's a good teacher. So the passage opens up with surprise. One of the 280 surprises the end beholds in the Bible. Passage shows us that the need of a person who looked like he had no need. Passage shows us everyone needs the Lord. The passage shows us that everyone needs to see himself as a dirty, rotten sinner in need of of God to forgive and to cleanse. passage shows us that Jesus is God and everyone needs Jesus to forgive and cleanse his sins. And the passage shows us that Jesus is God, has to be obeyed. He has to be obeyed. And the Lord Jesus, the passage shows us the Lord Jesus knows what's standing in between a person and God. And also the passage shows us there's nothing impossible with God. He can remove whatever obstacle there is that stands in between a person and God and if he's obeyed. And why does God, why does he care? Because he is, 1 Timothy 2.4, 1 Timothy 2.4, he is the God. He is God who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He is the 1 Peter 3.9, 1 Peter 3.9, the Lord who is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for being such a great teacher. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to grab a hold of, uh, instead of money, Lord, these uh, truths from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.